In this episode of the podcast, I sit down with Marcos Cicada. He's the guy behind Light.Art. We talk about the crypto and NFT space, and specifically, is it time to get in or is it time to get out? This is Twitter. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today I have uh, the opportunity to have my friend Marco Cicada on the hot seat. He is our resident crypto, NFT, all that stuff expert. And I twisted his arm to get him to come on the show to answer some burning questions that a lot of us creatives have around the crypto industry, especially with all this FTX news and the sort of the volatility of the overall market. I thought Marcos would be the perfect person to come on and demystify it all for us and look into his financial crystal ball, though he is not a financial advisor, but to look into his financial crystal ball and kind of give us his perspective on the state of the crypto union. Marcos Cicada, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you doing? Hey, Frederick. How are you? Thanks for having me. No, it's good, good to have to you. Thank you for coming on, man. This is, I think this is a, a, a discussion or an interview episode that's been a long time coming. Uh, I've, I've known you for, you know, what, better part of like two years-ish or so. We did some projects together. I helped you with the light.art site, did some interviews over there on crypto and that kind of thing. And through those interactions, I've learned that you're one of those people that seems to always be one block ahead or maybe four or five blocks ahead of the rest of us in terms of what this industry is, what it means, crypto, NFT, and all that. In fact, you founded a couple of companies around that, life, light.art being one of them. So let's let's start the interview with just an introduction. Like uh, your, your pedigree, you know, bean counting as it were, and then the transition over into this digital bean counting world. Who is... Marco Cicada. Thanks, Frederick, for the opportunity to be here. Um, that's a very big question, obviously, for anybody. But I think, in generally, you know, if you were to summarize, I, you know, I've, I've had a career in finance for a very long time, um, so almost two decades. Um, I worked across different investment banks in Wall Street, um, and um, and I think, you know, at the same time, I was also very much always a techie. So I was um, doing projects on the side. You know, I, I spent a couple of years doing a startup in between. You know, some of my banking jobs. Um, you know, spent some time in San Francisco and Silicon Valley. Um, and I think, um, you know, ultimately I found uh, a home um, in in the NFT space. Um, basically, in, in 2021, um, I, I sort of early in the year I, I started getting involved uh, very much with 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 NFTs. I found that it was. Very exciting, um, and probably you know you could argue, but probably the main use case of crypto that we have today. Um, you know, some people would debate me on that, but I think you know if you ask me, um, we found like a real use case of something that people actually you know have an impact in the real world in their real lives. Um, and so I jumped in, um, left my job in, in the, the end of last year, um, and started um, you know a couple of projects, but ultimately settled with Light.Art, which is a uh, photography. Uh, curated photography platform, um, and uh, we've been going since uh, since about August. Um, and now, you know, I've been um, working a lot with artists. Um, I've always loved photography; it's been something that I've liked to do. I'm not a professional. Um, you know, I partner with um, Elia Locardi, who you know, uh, to start this, and uh, we have now over 100 photographers. Um, we have more than that in terms of collectors that are actively, you know collecting uh, art uh, through the blockchain. And um, that's sort of the summary of, of where I am today. We have a lot uh, ahead of us. Uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting market right now to say the list, the least, yeah, but uh, yeah. it's, um, it's an exciting you know, time for those who want to build. And so that's, that's where we are. So the, the, Marcos, the, the mission statement for light.art, right? So when, when, either when you're speaking to a collector or just someone that's even not in the field or one of the artists, what do you say? Like light.art is dot, 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 question mark. So we really want to, um, you know, um, elevate photography and create art that is universally valuable, you know, in, in the art, in, in the eyes of our um, kind of community collectors and, and artists. Right. Um, so we we yeah, that's basically our mission. We feel that photography 
is a very important art form uh, that you know I think is recognized, but oftentimes not as recognized as other uh, types of art in the world of uh, in the world of you know um, fine art uh, fine art art and um, and uh, we also uh, want to democratize uh, the art collecting experience, which I think uh, you know has always obviously been very much reserved to to the ultra wealthy. Um, and I think there's an opportunity with NFTs to bring art collecting to a much bigger audience uh, and we've already seen that happening and i think it's going to only get bigger uh, over time yeah no no i agree and that that's a good segue right so the overtime question and a lot of people are like what is what does overtime mean is that is that a like what what's what are the tick marks on the crypto nft calendar are they in weeks are they in months decades years <laughs> you know how long are we waiting you know we're going to talk about this current sort of thing going on and everything with ftx but like what if you're long in crypto to put a finer point on the question if you're long in crypto meaning you're you're not looking at the day-to-day -day volatility what what is what does volatility look like for someone who's long? Are we looking for peaks over years or decades? Yeah, I mean, I think volatility question is a question about price, right? Uh, yeah. And I think you know, I'm not when when we're thinking about building, we're not necessarily thinking about uh, you know price. We're thinking about value, which those two things can vary quite a bit, right? Um, I think if you think about um, um, uh, you know, looking at fundamentally, uh, are we creating value? I think we are, you know, I see it every day. I mean, we just had this big event in, in Miami. Um, obviously Art Basel was there this weekend. A lot of people were down there. We had a big display, right? And I just see like the collectors and the artists connecting and they are, you know, um, you know, uh, enjoying, uh, you know, the art that they're collecting. Um, I think, you know, the artists are able to to find an outlet for their art, um, another medium, another channel. Um, and I think all of that stuff is really real and it's sort of fundamentally uh, real, right? It's not speculation, it's nothing to do with price, it's just are we creating value for people? And I think the answer is yes, and I think the answer is today, right? We're not talking about the future, we're not talking about five years from now, we're talking about today. I think the, the, the difference between today and five years from today is basically, can we bring that experience to more people, right? Um, and I think the answer is yes. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think this is kind of a niche thing. Um, I think a lot of what we're doing is universal. Um, and so, so you know, that makes me very bullish uh, in, in, in the space, if you will, in the NFT space, particularly as it pertains to art. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I want to I talk about that, the sort of valuation piece of it. it was for for example in the early days of nft when you know all the buzz was just happening a couple of years ago even even as recently as last year and this year um but we were seeing a lot of a lot of digital artwork be sold at just these crazy prices right millions of dollars in some case for something that was expressed in a couple of pixels you know or even hundreds of thousands or thousands or you know hundreds even for a couple of pixels you know and the Part of the, I think a lot of the, the, the chasm that people have to jump over is, okay, <laughs> what does that mean? I could screenshot that. Does that mean I have a million dollars now? You know, that kind of thing and that sort of idea. So I wanted to, you know, I don't, I don't want to dive into the whole world of blockchain and NFT from a technology standpoint, but I want to talk about it from the, just the perception standpoint and did that, was that sort of big spotlight that was shown on all this stuff at the beginning did that hinder us to where we are now is that driving consumer confidence or lack of consumer confidence um so i think i'll approach that in two ways right so first is yep. you know um uh you know were those prices excessive right uh by the way there's still a lot of big sales going on right now right we mm -hmm. just had i think probably every week we have uh, you know easily um, almost every day we have like, you know, six, six digit, uh, NFT sales, right. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in different collections and, and a lot of artists are doing well. Um, so I think we have, you know, big, big collections, uh, or so let's say valuable collections, uh, that trade with a, you know, somewhat regular on a somewhat regular basis. Right. So it's not like, okay, there was a one-off that was a million dollars. No, there's a lot of, um, let's say still uh, perceived value in a lot of uh, in a lot of collections in a lot of art um, so so that has not necessarily gone away and I think it won't go away right um, so I think 
that's a baseline. Now, if you look at, okay, did we have some excesses? Uh, I think maybe we still have some excesses on certain projects, possibly. Um, you know, and I think the, the, the answer to that is, as I said, price is very different from value, and price can differ from value for a very long time, right? Uh, having been in finance, um, you know, you know that, that sometimes, you know, there's a way to discover where the value is. You know, you think, you know, people thought, you know, Tesla was, a, you know, was going to blow up. It was a scam. You know, hedge funds decided to short it, right? Because they thought the price was, was ridiculous. And then other people thought, no, this is not, you know, this is a company that's going to change, you know, the way we drive. And so there's that sort of bull versus bear. And, you know, prices can go wildly in different directions. And in the end of the day, the fundamentals uh, tend to kind of, you know, uh, have a way of uh, coming out and, 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 um, and evening out things over time, right? And it's no different here. So I think, you know, for me, um, this last year um, has been in some way validating just to see that, you know, if you focus on things that I think have fundamental value, uh, they will, you know, they will last, right? And we see a lot now in the NFT space, you know, some projects that had, you know, real artists with, with a real, you know, relevance with something to say or, or projects that were, you know, with the proper, you know, that was, you know, really focused on, 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 on fundamental value rather than hype. Um, you know, those teams are still around and they're still working and they're still doing interesting things. And in some cases, the prices have even, even gone up for some of those projects, right? So mm -hmm. uh, we can't, uh, uh, we can't uh, sort of generalize. Now, you know, having a bit of a wash, wash out, you know, and having some people kind of go away and some projects fail and, you know, uh, it is very painful for a lot of people, um, you know, and, and I think that that is something that, you know, obviously turns people off. Uh, but again, you know, if, if you're in, if you're in any space, whether it's, um, you know, stocks or real estate or, or NFTs or, 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 or even kind of, you know, non-financial things, you know, I think the fundamental things that bring value to everyone are still there. Right. Um, yeah. and, and so that's what I would say. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I think you and I may have talked about this before, but just the, this this sort of shake up being a shake out in a lot of ways of people that are that are sort of bullish and in it and talented and, and sort of in the space are going to be the ones that hang on right and the ones that aren't really in it or for whatever reasons can't stay in the space those are the ones that are falling off is that good though do you think do you think that sort of shaking out is good or is it is it stifling some of the the artists looking from an artist standpoint not an investor or collector but from an artist that is just getting in into the space and like, oh, wow, you know, all this stuff happened just and I'm, I'm getting in. Are there more they're more likely to bounce off and be a detractor for the crypto space versus a proponent? Right. Yeah. No, I think look, good or bad. I don't want to say good or bad. It, it is what it is. Right. Like, yeah. I think, yeah. uh, 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 unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, um, history does not go in a nice linear slope upwards. Right. Like things kind of go up and down and. Uh, we learn as we go along. I think we've, you know, um, uh, we, you know, in, in crypto, there's definitely a lot of learning that's happened over the years, right? Um, and I think uh, th there's a big learning moment right now. And I think the question is, are we going to, what are we going to learn from it, right? If we think, um, you know, it was just uh, some individual bad actors, uh, you know, I think that's one approach. And there's definitely some of that, but there's also some fundamental things that need to be looked at, you know, and so uh, I think it's important to, to look at how we're going to improve the, the system as a whole, you know, um, mm -hmm. so around transparency around, you know, I think one of the lessons, for example, is, you know, we, we trust a lot of decentralized entities, uh, like, uh, you know, um, exchanges, um, and those exchanges were not worthy of the trust that they received, right? So uh, something needs to be done about that, right? So either you have to increase trust in those entities, that's a more centralized approach, or you have to take more decentralized approach, which is also, you know, uh, very much a crypto ethos type of uh, approach where, you know, a lot of financial transactions in crypto can be done through decentralized finance, which don't involve trusting, you know, someone like, uh, you know who's running an exchange or or or, or a centralized party, right? And and right. those type of season and 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 uh, have actually held up, and you know continue to operate pretty well throughout this process throughout this bear market, right? So can um, you can you demystify that? Demystify that for us. And and one of the questions on my list to ask you is is to break down 
from a sort of elementary school or to an elementary school level, um, this whole FTX thing, right? And from the standpoint of, I, you know, I would argue that a lot of people just look at that and they saw the news go by and they're like, oh, FTX, never heard of that. Oh, crap, that guy lost a lot of money. Oh, a lot of people lost a lot of money. That's crypto, crypto bad, next, right? <laughs> so can you, can you put a finer, a finer point on that and just sort of, what did that all, what happened with that piece? You know, without, without any conjecture or opinions in it, just like what happened, what went wrong with that? And, and, and is it going to happen again type thing? I think, I mean, look, there's a lot of information still coming out and, and I don't want to uh, kind of um, uh, be very specific on details because yeah, there of are cases and everything and I don't know all the details. But generally speaking, the, the accepted storyline uh, based on the information that we have is that, um, you know, uh, FTX, which was the second largest exchange, uh, was being run a little bit like a bank, I. They would take people's money and then use that money to lend it out, right? Uh, which, you know, usually if you're an exchange, you have client assets, you have to keep it, right? Uh, and not only they were lending it out, uh, one of the big creditors was, um, you know, the founder's own investment fund, um, which was, you know, basically punting on, you know, making different trading strategies, if you will, that hadn't, go hadn't gone, you know, not so well, right? So they lost a bunch of money through their fund, which was essentially client, you know, essentially client money, if you want to kind of be, be very uh, blunt about it. And uh, as a result, you know, people who had money with that exchange um, ended up losing, um, you know, losing a lot of their money. We don't know how much will be recovered, um, but it's probably going to be cents on the dollar, right? And, and so I think, again, going back to this idea of trust, there was a huge trust in this particular entity People put their money there, like you trust your bank or you trust your, you know, your brokerage account, uh, Charles Schwab or whatever, that your money's there and it's safe, but it wasn't, right? Um, and that was so, the whole idea, um, right? Isn't that whole idea of crypto and, and just of the whole space is the decentralization, right? And and not having a bank entity in charge of everything. You can see every transaction and the whole trail is etched permanently into the blockchain and. You know, there's just inherent transparency in the whole space. But then you have these exchanges, which, as we've learned, aren't necessarily transparent. Right. So how, do, how does that how does that balance out? Yeah, I think, you know, if you had your your crypto in your own wallet, uh, which was a self we call it self custody, I know yeah. you have your own private keys, your own password, if you will, for the blockchain and you will you and you have that, you know, nothing happened to your funds. Right. You're you're completely fine. Um, uh, of course, you know, there may have been some mark to market losses. I mean, price of, of some of your crypto might have gone down in US dollar terms, but you didn't have your money disappear. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that that is sort of what I was saying earlier. Like, you know, there's a lesson about also the benefits of decentralization in a situation like this. Now, you know, I'm not uh, one of those people that thinks that everything has to be decentralized because I think it's very difficult to create a system that there is no certain points of some amount of centralization. But if there are those points of centralization, and today those are often exchanges, um, uh, you know, then you need to regulate that, right? And and I think that's how we create trust in the real financial world, right? You have good regulations that prevent people from doing stuff like that, or there's more uh, more transparency. So the regulation around these are the kind of things you have to disclose, right? Um, and I think there's a lot of uh, a certain amount of self policing we can do, right? Making sure we ask exchanges to provide blockchain records, for example, of how much reserves they have and all that. Um, but you still at some point might need some amount of, you know, um, regulation to take place as well. Um, so mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, opposed to that. I, I don't think the regulators are up to speed with what's going on in crypto. So that may take some time to really, to really get to a point like that. Right. They need, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead and finish your thoughts, sir. No, just to say, so, you know, there's an on-ramp that happens when you come in from cash, from fiat, right? So from US dollars to, to buying your crypto. That usually happens through an exchange, which is a regulated, centralized entity. But then once you move your money into crypto and you're into the decentralized world, uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a different ballgame. You know, it's different types of, uh, of, of risks that you have, right? So you, you're not going to have a risk of somebody running away with your cash from an exchange standpoint, but you may be you know, have other issues around your own self because you make sure you like don't lose your your private key, your password, if you will. Right. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, uh, for some people, that's a concern. You know, I wonder introducing regulation into the space. 
how is that going to work? Because I, I think of crypto as, or just the whole space as almost like, I'm in Silicon Valley, right? Ostensibly. So it's the dot-com, fast moving, fast decisions, fast mistakes, fast failure, fast successes, right? Everything's fast. When I think government, i.e. regulation, I think the opposite, right? I think slow to make, you know, silly decisions. It takes forever. And they're never up to speed on the latest technologies. You know, I mean, Look at when, when the uh, Obama website rolled out, right? It was, <laughs> it didn't work. It was like merging government and technology and something as simple as a website. And, you know, although it was a complex website dealing with healthcare, still didn't work, right? You got all the money in the world. It seems like you make something like that work. So I'm wondering, like with this thing, if we introduce and open the, the kimono to government, say, yeah, we need regulation, you know, th give us a lattice work to grow on, A, Will they be able to, fast enough to do that and B, be, you know, have the wherewithal to stay on top of it, right? Because it's not like, okay, this is, this is the way things are in 2022, 23, and it's going to be like that for the next 10 years. This stuff, the, the whole thing could switch up in, in two years or a year. And can government turn on a dime like that, especially with these numbers and these fortunes tied to it? I don't know. What, what's your take on that? Uh, well, this is a very philosophical question, Frederick. <laughs> what hey, what's do. the role of government, right? <laughs> yeah. You're putting me. You're putting me in a, in a tough spot politically here. Um, I don't <laughs> look. There's. There, I'll say two things, right? So first is, it, it's a not, it's a bit of a feature, not a bug. The government is conservative and slow, right? Uh, right. Meaning. You know, we want entrepreneurs to be taking risks and going out there and doing things. Uh, and, you know, sometimes we don't necessarily want our government to be out there taking crazy risks, right, and doing things fast. Um, there are situations where we would want that more and we want more, let's say, flexibility and, you know, uh, we would want government to be more nimble uh, and faster, right? Um, I think, you know, especially given the pace of change in technology, I think the pendulum is probably on the side of maybe government is a bit slow today, right? So yeah. it would be good to have better regulators, faster regulators, so more adaptable, et cetera, right? Um, but then, you know, usually regulation is just a small part of enforcing uh, legislation, right? And we know legislation can be very slow, right? If we know how Congress works and we know how kind of politics works. And then also that's, you know, again, somewhat a feature rather than a bug in some ways, right? So... Uh, so I think that's one uh, one thing. The other is, look, there are some principles uh, of things that, you know, we know we want to regulate, right? So when somebody's going to take a bunch of people's money, it's probably a good idea to have somebody else have an overlook over that, right? Um, so, you know, as bad as FTX was, um, and, and not just FTX, and we had Luna, we had Celsius, we had a few other cases, you know, in this bear market. Um, as bad as those situations were, um, crypto has remained relatively insulated to like the more macro environment, right? So when Lehman Brothers or Bear Stearns, you know, they went down, it actually really hurt the livelihood of like millions of people, right? Not just yeah. in the United States, but across the world, right? Whereas, you know, FTX going down, yes, yeah, ruining the livelihood of people who had money with them, but there was no kind of macroeconomic, um, let's say, spillover effect. I like FTX was not too big to fail, if you will, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, you could see a future where, you know, if crypto gets bigger, it starts having an impact on a more macro level. Right. And then that's when you really want to make sure that, you know, it's it's safer, uh, you know, and there's no no centralized or too big entity that could have that impact in, in the rest of the economy. Right. Today, we're not we're not to that point yet. So. So, you know, before before we started recording, I gave you kind of three avatars that I wanted to touch on and get your advice on. Right. So in terms of timing. So there's the there's the person, let's say the photographer that is is considering, you know, hey, I'm a great photographer. I've been doing this for years. I want to get into this crypto space for all the obvious reasons. Right. So there's that person. There's the new person that is just sort of looking at the space and like, oh, that's interesting. But I'm scared. Right. Because all this other stuff is going on. And then there's the investors that are looking to put money into the space and seeing volatility and kind of like, whoa, is now time to buy or should I hold or should I run? 
front, you know, that that kind of thing. Again, you're not a financial advisor and this is not financial advice, but for those people, especially speaking to the photographers and the creatives specifically that are looking at the space and like, holy hell, this is, you know, I want to get in. This looks like a dream for me to get my work out in the community and, you know, maybe make a couple of quarters on it as well. But you know, is now the time to do it. What, what do you say to both the photographer and the collector who's kind of sitting on the sidelines, scratching their heads and worried about jumping in right now, you know, being short or long? What, what do you think? Yeah, again, I go back to this question of like, you know, fundamentals, right? So what are the, what are the, the, the fundamental things here? Um, you know, people also often think, oh, it's just like a copy of a JPEG that I can copy everywhere, right? Uh, well, that's not really... What, what it is about, right? What it is about is sort of having that certificate of ownership of something authentic, you know, from an artist, right? Uh, and I think if you're going to make an NFT out of a piece of art, um, you're sort of should be thinking of it as I'm creating an asset for someone, right? So if you're, you know, something that someone will value, that they'll value because they love it, because it's beautiful. Generally, I think, you know, art uh, hits on the emotional side, right? So it has an emotional component to it someone would want to own it, right? Um, and um, uh, and also there's maybe something really important story that you want to tell, right? And all of that comes into play into saying, look, I'm going to create something that is going to be of value to someone, right? And likewise, if you're the collector, it's like, well, if this has value to me, that might be enough. But also if it has value to me, it might have value to other people in the future and it becomes something that is valuable over time, right? Um, I'm not talking about financial investments. I'm talking about art, right? People do buy art today as a way to kind of, you know, um, store value, right, for the future. Of course, you know, not a lot of art has that property. Uh, but, you know, increasingly, we can have more of more art have that property because of NFT, right? Mm -hmm. So so to the, to the photographer or to the artist, uh, you know, I would say, you know, use this as a way to, to you know, to monetize, if you will, something that you're creating that has value, right? Uh, has value to you and you think will have value for other people. Um, and I think that's a pretty basic kind of principle, right? Uh, and the value doesn't have to be, you know, some gimmick or, you know, oh, if you buy my art, you know, I don't know, I'll give you uh, a workshop or whatever, you know, that some people have done that, but it's just more, in my view, like intrinsically, like what is, why is this valuable to someone? Right. Um, and then as a, as a collector, you know, uh, buy what you can afford. Um, and you know, if you're thinking of crypto in general, not just NFTs as a, as a potential kind of, you know, asset to hold in your portfolio, you know, keep it at a percentage that you think it's reasonable, right. That you can afford, uh, you know, meaning, um, that it shouldn't be, you know, all of your portfolio, it should be diversifying, right? Just like any other financial instrument that you have or any other exposure that you have. Um, some amount is, is, is reasonable, you know, uh, it's actually probably not reasonable to have zero, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, um, I think, you know, that's, that's sort of my general uh, kind of take on that. And today, you know, prices have come down. So a lot of people who had a big percentage of their portfolio in crypto now have a smaller percentage. Uh, you know, they might be rebalancing, right? But at the same time, the price of a lot of other things have come down, you know, whether it's, you know, stocks or uh, or bonds or even baseball card collectibles or, you know, watches. I mean, I talk to people in the collectible world too, and they're probably down even more than crypto collectibles uh, mm -hmm. at the moment. And, uh, you know, people are not talking about that as being like a scam or a problem or whatever. Right? It's just, you know, it is what it is. Like, you know, the things are down today because there's less liquidity in the market. And, um, you know, and it's just, to, you know, there's a temporary uh, effect here in, at play generally for markets overall. Yeah, yeah. Very well said. That's perfect. Thank you. Perfect. Um, let's let's talk about the uh, the light.art project that, that you're working on that that I helped you work on and Elia Licardi's involved in and you know a, a, a bunch of my friends are part of the artists that you have in there the and you you defined what it was but the there are some very specific things that you are doing over there in terms of the your methodology around curation you're um, doing specific single artist drops f for very specific reasons. Can you talk about some of the, the projects that you have going on? Sure. Yeah, actually, let me start with the curation since you brought that up. So we, um, you know, we believe that, um, you know, going back to this idea of how do we ensure that there is value in the NFTs that we are 
that we are issuing, they are creating, um, you know, for artists. Um, one of them is, you know, we we have a curation board that has um, ten people, so it's a rotating roster uh, of uh, collectors and photographers. So at the moment we have five of each, um, and I think that's a good balance. The idea being that, you know. Um, Often the value of art is subjective, but having a, a panel of people looking at it uh, really helps us. Um, and here in your screen, you can see the uh, the different people in the curation board. So we got people like like Elia Locardi, um, Albert Rose, uh, Renee Robin. So there's photographer Omar Robles, so number of photographers. And then we have collectors uh, from the crypto space, uh, people like uh, Norcal Guy, which is a huge photography uh, collector. Uh, Farrell, Punk, you know, and so on. Um, Claire Silver is actually an artist, an AI artist, uh, but she's also been in crypto for a very long time as a collector as well. Um, so, um, so you know, we, we have this board that really helps us make those decisions and screen, I think, the work that we think, um, you know, makes the most sense for our community. Uh, and I mean, our community broadly, meaning collectors and artists. So we want to make sure that we have collections that people are proud of, right? So that's on the curation side. Now, what do we do with that? So we have three different streams of collections that we, we issue, right, uh, that we publish. So the first is um, we have an annual drop. The idea with the annual drop is, um, uh, you know, which is this alpha collection was the first one for 2022, um, uh, was um, um, uh, creating a collection that kind of captured you know, a bit of the current state in the NFT world. So we have 100 artists. Um, there are different types of um, photography represented from conceptual to landscape to wildlife to portrait street underwater, right? So we have a, a whole gamut. Um, and, you know, some of these artists are already very established in NFTs. Other uh, have never minted an NFT before, right? Which is sort of reflection, reflection a little bit where we are in that space, right? Some people coming in, some people already there, uh, and it's sort of a celebration of, of kind of where we are. Um, and I think we hope that with every year we'll do a different collection, and over time you'll be able to look at you know these photos that are permanently in the blockchain, as sort of almost like a, a recorded history of NFT photography uh, that people can look back into. Uh, so that's the um, uh, that's the uh, annual series, the annual collection. Uh, then beyond that, we have a um, curated series, which is, um, you know, individual uh, artists. Uh, so here you have our first one that is just about to launch from uh, Elisa Yanacone. Um, so she has a collection here called The Spire of Containment, um, Rapes Aftermath, which is a collection around, you know, uh, expressing trauma uh, through art oh, there, there it is on the on the side yeah which is you know she she is a rape survivor herself and she talked to you know uh several other rape survivors and, and worked with them to create these images uh and we wanted to 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 have this as a as a curator because we thought you know it is very relevant obviously for the moment it's a very important message um and obviously elisa is a great uh, artist and the photos are fantastic so it's just kind of picking and choosing specific collections that we think um you know are are, are relevant and important that people would want to to collect and support um and so that was the first one that we that we chose and, and we're going to be doing those every month with different artists so you know if people are listening to this podcast and they want to um you know to potentially do a collection in an nft format with us you know uh there will be opportunities to also apply to do a collection with us so you can check out our website um and then the um the third uh thing that we're doing that we're calling the fresh series and that's sort of a catch-all for experimental things because we think the, the world of nft is going to change a lot and we want to be trying different things so the first collection the fresh series um is this partnership that we have done with the mandarin oriental palace hotel in luzerne switzerland um and the idea here is uh we will um make uh, images available to their guests at their own their digital gallery uh, on site at the hotel and they'll be able to vote uh on the images that they think are, are their favorites and then that will become a collection uh, for for the Mandarin Oriental and sort of their official collection, so we have you know people like uh, Marco Grassi, you know um, Albert Sinek, Pablo Tenore, Enrico Fossati. So there's a number of uh, also angel uh, folks. Um, those are the initial uh, kind of photographers. The the gallery will run for two months, so we may have a few others coming in uh, with 
iconic images of Switzerland, and then that again becomes uh, a collection. I think this this is interesting to me because it, it again goes back to this idea of can we democratize our collect? Can we expand to more people? You know, instead of being just people who are in NFT already or crypto folks, <clears throat> you know, anybody who's traveling uh, may you know want to collect art um, because. You know, you, you visit a place, maybe you buy a print, uh, maybe you buy a painting, maybe you buy, you know, just a memento like at the gift shop, right? Uh, well, why not, you know, actually buy a piece of digital art uh, in an NFT that you can collect, right? And you can do that by by um, by being at the hotel and collecting and then, you know, later becomes uh, an asset that you have. Uh, and it's both a memory for you, but also something that is valuable, you know, so... Yeah. Yeah. No, killer. That's killer. Congratulations on that. Cause that's a, clearly you can see the trajectory, right? Cause this one goes and you know, there are other locations that you could probably do the same idea, do a rinse and repeat. And, um, yeah, you know, we hope to, yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. No, you, I was going to say, you remember the, you mentioned the Elisa piece and I did the, the interview for her that's on the site that's on the blog area of the of the site and i did my my involvement with the with the light.art project was this collection of 20 interviews that we did that are that are going to be up there or that are already up there as you listen to this and one of them was this elisa interview that was one of the hardest interviews that i've ever done she's so easy to talk to and she made it so easy but the subject matter was you know, it was difficult to prepare for and to approach, especially as a guy, right? Going in there and having this conversation, even though there are males in the in the collection that I found out. But the the interesting thing, just to put a little footnote on that piece of it, was the interview was about the collection, and the collection was focused on victims of rape, right? And, but not from a, you know, this is what happened to me documentary style. It was more from a, the vision that these survivors have in their head that they think of when they think of the, the traumatic event. And she interviewed them or had conversations with them and drew out what that vision was that, that kind of nags them that keeps coming back. And she illustrated that in photography, which was crazy right it was just you know just to kind of look into the head of the people through as translated through an artist like elisa it was just you know it, it gave it a whole new dimension for me um and thank you elisa if you're watching this for making it so easy for me to interview you because <laughs> it was it wasn't easy yeah i want to thank elisa also for for joining and doing this drop with us because i mean we are very lucky to have that collection as you said frederick it's it's an absolutely fantastic body of work and um I think you know uses this um, idea of Latin American magical realism, right? To to actually address um, you know human rights issues uh, issue, which is you know basically the bread and butter of what Lisa does, uh, and she's a pioneer in that. Um, and I think we you know it's worth watching uh, that podcast or listening to that podcast with her. Uh, and you did a fantastic job, Frederick, with her and and with all the other guests, but particularly this one was probably one of my favorite uh, episodes. So. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with everything you said. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was a good one. That was a good one. That's what it's all about. You know, just and I think why we mentioned that in the interview is this the using your powers, your superpowers for good. Right. Versus not not that taking pictures of pretty landscapes and portraits of beautiful people and all those. That's great. But aiming it, I guess this is kind of the photojournalist in me, like aiming it at something that could literally change someone's perspective on something is is huge and she did that she did that with like you know yeah skill. absolutely and, <laughs> and she commented, she commented on this on the podcast right which is um you know it's fine to have pictures of kittens right as nfts and <laughs> yeah. these in memes and fun things right and we all need that like you know given how you know heavy loaded the context of the world is today right uh but then when we sort of you know i think the word she says when you regain yourself right like you know you can actually start thinking about what are the issues i care about and can i use nfts for that and yeah it's a great platform for this and and um and i think it's been underutilized in my view for for that kind of you know cause related or 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 story driven um you know change making type of uh, projects right and so uh we're really happy to 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 have that project and support it um and so um i i, I know 
I still love, you know, the fun stuff that we do in NFTs, but we also have to, you know, focus on other things and, and serious things. I think, in fact, that those should be, you know, priority. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Definitely. Um, one, one of the, the final questions I wanted to throw at you is mainstream adoption. I mean, you, you and I, a couple, maybe a year or so ago, talked about this a little bit. Maybe it was offline. But just the idea of when is main, what is mainstream adoption and when is mainstream adoption, i.e., when am I going to be able to walk into a Target with my hardware digital wallet and, you know, it just becomes like normal, like using an ATM or... You know, when am I going to be, you know, just buy anything, you know, use it, use it in the wallet on my iPhone. You know, my my crypto balance shows up in there and I can use that as a payment method. Is that something that that you as someone that's embedded in this space want to see happen or does that does it come along with baggage? <laughs> you know, if you if the more people that get involved, the more it's diluted. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I think it, I, well, I definitely want to see it happen. We're working towards it. Right. So this project, for example, with uh, Mandarin Oriental is, is part of that. Um, and I think it's already happening, Frederick. I mean, if you look at um, you can now buy NFTs on Instagram. Right. They started a pilot with, I think, 20 artists um, and um, I mean, you know, just think about what that means, right? Like in Instagram with, you know, hundreds of millions, like, you know, even over a billion users. Um, what if, what if you know, a small fraction of that starts collecting art, right, uh, through an NFT? Um, so we're not talking about, you know, years here. We're talking about, you know, months, you know, maybe next year. And we're going to start seeing a lot more adoption. You know, there are a lot of things that needed to be resolved that are still being resolved from the user experience standpoint. Right. We talked about wallets and private keys and exchanges and all that. Right. Um, but today, you know, all of the companies that are reaching consumers um, are focused on 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 developing um, Web3 solutions. Right. So whether you can buy crypto on your PayPal app or you can buy an nft on instagram right mm -hmm. um i don't know yet which one will succeed in bringing in big numbers um but you know it's 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 a question of you know next year in my view it's not a question of years um so you know if you're if you're looking in from the outside you know be prepared to to see uh, a lot more people around you looking at nfts that's my you know that's my take now in terms of what's the downside of you know mass adoption if you will, i mean i think mm -hmm. you know if a lot of people look at um, these things are speculative, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, ways to make money and flip and, and just sort of, you know, don't really care about what they're buying. They're just buying because they think the price is going to go up. Um, you know, you might have, you know, some disappointment from a lot of people as well. Right. Uh, so, um, so that's why I go back, you know, I think we all need to sort of look back and think about, okay, what are the fundamentals of what I'm buying? You know, am I buying because I love it? Am I buying because this is valuable art? Uh, or, or you know, I'm just buying because I think somebody else is going to buy for me for, for a higher price later, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just goes down to... And, and the other piece of it is your, your, you know, risk adverseness, if that's a word. Right. How much money do you have to spend? Like what's your what's your budget for Vegas? Like I'm, I'm one of those people that goes in with I got X dollars when it's gone. I'm gone. Right. Not like, oh, you know, let me get a payday loan so I can because <laughs> so, I know this is my lucky day. My horoscope said so. I am not that guy. So, yeah, yeah. I, you know, exactly. The, the, you know, for me, you no, know, that's one aspect of the, the, you know, let's talk about what the other aspect is, you know, like the other aspect is I see collectors and their behavior. Right. And what they're doing is they're saying, look, I'm building a collection and here it is and have a look. And it's like and they're really thoughtful. Right. They thought about, OK, I really like, um, you know, uh, let's say, you know, black and white minimalist photography. Right. Mm -hmm. So they go and they find different artists and they buy black and white minimalist photography and then they create a digital gallery and they say, come check out my gallery and they share it with their friends and they share it with you know, other people and, and they become known as sort of like, you know, a collector of black and white minimalist photography, you know, or they buy, you know, um, AI art and photography and they pair them and they say, okay, this is, I have a whole gallery of AI art with photography or, or generative art or whatever it is. Right. Um, and this collective 
collectible instinct, if you will. A lot of people collect things. A lot of people love collect. In fact, most people collect something, right? Um, and there's there's real value to that. There's emotional value that people do that for a reason that they love it, right? And so, um, forget the speculative thing and budget and thinking of it as gambling. Thinking of it as like you know, do I love this art? Do I want to support these artists? Do I want to be you know a collector that has um, you know. Um, a collection that I'm proud of. And today, you know, anyone can do that. You know, it used to be that, you know, you have to be, uh, you know, a multi-billionaire and have your own kind of gallery or whatever to, to be able to, to have that experience. Today, it's accessible to all of us. Yeah, yeah, very well said. Yeah, that's the other side of it, right? And I should know that, right? Having interviewed these, the the artists and the collectors that are involved and one of the main themes that come out of the, the collectors that I've spoken with um, is they're not, for the most part, not in it to like, okay, I'm going to buy this because it's I'm going to sell it in two weeks for this much. They're buying art because they like the art and they genuinely want to own the art, right? They want to feel like they have ownership and then, and, and in some cases, a relationship or a dialogue at least with the artist that created that art. So that's, it versus, okay, you know, what can I drop this for today? What can I, you know, how can, who can I unload this thing on? They're like, this is mine. You know, there are many like it, but this one is mine. <laughs> so. Yeah. And then it's funny because, you know, in a way, you know, there is speculation in NFTs, but if you're a real trader, you have coins, you know, just go play with your coins. You know, there's a liquid goes up and down, you know, go have fun. Uh, when with NFTs, yeah, they're a little bit more liquid, you know, and it's, so they are, there's a market and there should be a market for them. But, you know, if you're a pure speculator, it's probably not a place you want to necessarily always sure. play in, you know. But Marcos, let's, let's wrap up with uh, future speak, right? So as we record this, we're in the, the last month, December of 2022. Um, hello, me from the future. But <laughs> this is 2022 as we record this. What, is, what do you want light.art to be? And what does, what does, if everything goes the way that you want it to go for the next 12, 24 months, what does light art, that art look like at the end of 23 and then into 2024? Well, so I certainly want uh, people to think of us as like, you know, the, the, uh, the name, you know, for photography NFT. So when you think photography and you think NFTs, I would like people to think of light.art, right? Um, because we have, you know, really high quality work. Uh, we have a good community um we have uh, you know basically you know serious group of people interested in photography um and interested in art uh and you know we are known for that right so i think so so that's definitely a part of our goal and i think we're already you know well into that process right so i think in the nft community people know us um you know i think a lot of artists as i said we have 101 artists now with elisa but we're gonna have more um so, um, you know, people recognize and they come to us, you know, collectors know us and all that. So I think that's, that's, that's piece one. Um, the second one is in terms of adoption. Like I said, I do want us to spend more time, uh, you know, figuring out uh, how to reach more people. Um, so this collection, the first with the Mandarin is, is a part of that. The other part is just, you know, getting people to, to come into our platform, uh, you know, if they connect with the art, uh, you know, to join us. Uh, so just growth. Right. That's, I guess, uh, a second second element. Um, and uh, and I think, you know, I think that the, the third element, you know, we, we would like to have um, even more uh, relationships with the traditional photography world. That's been part of our mission from the beginning. What I mean by that, you know, events, uh, you know, that already exist, companies that already exist and try to, like, bridge that gap between what's happened already in photography, uh, you know, over time with what's happening in photography in the NFT space, you know, and I think we're in a good position to do that because we have the photographers who are straddling both worlds, um, you know, and so we, we want to be more engaged with uh, the photography community outside of the, uh, the NFT space even more uh, than we have been in the past year, yeah, the past few months, sense. really. Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes sense. How, how far do you think we're away from a whirlwind in Lightroom or Photoshop, I can say, export as NFT and have that go into a machine like Light and have all the right things happen, you know, from that, from directly from my my image editor or digital asset management app of choice. Um, I think they've already started playing with that on, on Adobe, right? Um, so I think look, we're we're basically you know 
as I said, I think we're next year is going to be a huge year for NFT in, in photography, mm-hmm. particularly. So I'm not sure of the details of every single project, but I do. I have seen a few a few companies and a few projects looking to do exactly that. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we're, you know, 12 months from from people not even thinking about NFTs is a weird thing anymore. You know, <laughs> that's good. That's good. All right. Well, cool. I'll uh, I'll give you the last word, man. So, what's the, what's the last word on Light.Art and the last word on the crypto and NFT space from Marco Cicada? As I said, I think you know my last word is let's get you no, know, let's make photography NFTs you know uh, work. Let's elevate photography as an art form. Uh, you know, I think everybody in your audience uh, is probably you know willing to sign up for a mission like that. You know, we we are supporters of photographers. Um, I think we can all work together. Um, the NFT space has proven to be very friendly. Um, so I think, you know, I found people have come in from, say, the Instagram world or other pieces. They, they find that, you know, it's very competitive sometimes, whereas in NFT, it's, it's very welcoming. People are very supportive of each other. Um, so we have an opportunity to sort of reset, you know, uh, the photography community. And I think, you know, what I see is great, you know. So I would like to invite everybody to, to have a look at that and, um, you know, reach out um, on Twitter. Uh, my, my handle is that punk, uh, if you want to, you know, get in touch. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see, um, you know, we'll see you guys out there in the metaverse. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. See, we didn't even, we didn't go into the metaverse stuff. I'm leaving that alone for now. (laughs) In fact, I got, I got something I gotta, it's charging right back there that I gotta play with on the show. So just the you know the whole idea um, for the folks that are listening to the audio, I was pointing to a, a MetaQuest headset that um, uh, the older, not the new version that I'm charging up just to make sure I, I turn it on every couple of weeks just to update the software and <laughs> see what's going on in there, and then it goes back on that show. Uh, Marcos Cicada, thank you, man, for coming on. It's been a long time coming. Uh, I want to put you on the hot seat and and make you commit to coming on again to the podcast, you know, after some of these other projects that you have have launched. I want to know how they're, you know, let the TWIP audience know how things are going and just a general check-in on the crypto and NFT space from time to time. Are you, you down for that? Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks for having me. Happy to come back, you know. Uh, yeah, would love to. All right. Marco Cicada, light.art is the website. That punk, dap, D-A-P-P-P-U-N-K, right? D-A-P-P, three P's in there or two P's? Yeah. Dap punk. Three P's, um, yeah. Three P's. D A P P P U N K is the uh, is his handle in the cryptoverse and and the uh, the online world. So check him out and connect with him and have conversations. And also comment on this video in the uh, in the uh, the description or the the comments below and throw your likes and all that good stuff in there. I always forget to do that as a YouTuber. Like and subscribe to the podcast. How are you doing that? Like and subscribe. Smash that like button. <laughs> all right, man. I hate doing that. I'm too old to do that. All right, we'll leave that right there. Too old to be smashing stuff. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll leave, we'll leave that right there. And uh, Marcos, congratulations on everything you're doing. Um, and a sincere thank you for like just all the blood, sweat, and, and thankless tears that you've put into elevating photographers and helping all the different voices get out there because you know it's uh it's amazing what you're doing it's amazing to see how motivated you are as an entrepreneur and committed to the space that you are in a good and positive way so just a personal thank you from me for for doing what you do keep doing it thank you frederick thanks for having me thanks for saying that i appreciate it no no problem all right man you take care you have a good rest of your day This is Twitter.